everybody, welcome to Long Term Memory. As always, my name is Jack Shaw. And my name is Comet Millen, and um, this is going to be an interesting one for me because it's a topic I, prior to researching, knew next to nothing about Jack. And even after researching it and going through all her notes, it still just seems mad. So this will be, be a cool one, I think. Yeah, so it kind of falls into a couple of different categories, basically. It does fall into true crime because there is a little bit of murder and people setting churches on fire, as well as a little bit of musical history. I suppose it might fall into that category as well. We're going to be speaking about black metal, basically, and its origins, its, what do you call that story? The background story of superheroes and shit. An origin story? Yeah, an origin story, yeah. Yeah, so this is basically going to be the origins of black metal. Basically, without getting into too much detail, um, I don't know if we've got many listeners that are into black metal. If you are, we're going to take the piss out of these people because it's something that I always found beyond my reach, maybe. I don't know if you want to say that, Colin, or is it just dog shit, like ear fucking ache? <laughs> yeah, like, I'm going to say something that makes me sound really, really old, but I think it is very apt with this particular type of music. It's just a noise, and I struggle to understand how anybody could enjoy it. Um, and if we do have any listeners that are into it, and they do take offence, good. Yeah, that's it. Like People will know music's not a massive part of my life, you know, and I used to go to a lot of shitty new metal gigs at the age of 16, 17, 18, 19, but there were a couple of people that I would kick about with that kind of quickly moved on from fucking Limp Bizkit, Corn, Pantera, and started to listen to this more extreme genre of the metal scene, basically, because metal is one of those musical genres that's got so many sub-genres that it's kind of it's annoying, the right word. Do you know what I mean? It's just, it's, yeah, it's, just so, it's so diverse, but they still all sound the same. That's something that... I can't quite get behind that. I do kind of know the difference. Like, you all know the difference between fucking new metal with Fred Durst rapping about rolling and floating and shit like that than just stuff that goes... <laughs> you know? Like, that, that's different. So you, yeah, can, you, that. can, you can separate it. So like I said, I was sort of very much a new metaler, a little mosher. I never wore the uniform. I didn't look like a bit of a... A dickhead basically, I never painted my fucking nails black or had a, a wallet chain or anything like that. But like I says, a few of my pals basically got into bands, and I can't name many off the top of my head as we speak to. And I did get dragged along to a death metal, black metal, I don't, I don't really know, uh, at one point in my life. Any gigs that you kind of get dragged along to, mate? And thought, oh, fuck, I don't want to go and get dragged along and either had a good time or a bad time or anything like that. But the only one that comes to mind was I got my my wife, I got her tickets for Take That. And I fully expected her to take one of her pals with her. But she asked me to go. And I wasn't massively looking forward to it, but I was still looking forward to getting out with my wife, going to Hamden, a day out in the summer sort of thing. And I thought it would be okay. Imagine my surprise when I get there and the support act is the Pet Shop Boys, who... I absolutely adore and had no idea they were going to be there. So I got like an hour's Pet Shop Boys gig before this Take That gig. And it was tremendous. And Take That weren't bad either. So we both thoroughly enjoyed our day. Um, 
together, which is obviously nice. But we both got, she got to take that that she loved, I got the Pet Shop Boys that I loved, and it's one of the ones that I'll always kind of remember for that reason. How did you not know that there was a problem? Because I didn't really have any interest in the gig. Like, see if it's a gig that I'd bought, to see if it was more like a band that I was really into, I'd be all over their, their Twitter and their Facebook and on their website and stuff, and I'd, I'd know pretty much the set list from the night the previous gigs and stuff like that. I'd be all into it, because you know how I don't like surprises and I look into things. But because it was Take That, I just assumed that the support act wouldn't be very good. Yeah, like A1 or something like that. Yeah, I mean, it's happened before. We went and saw, we went and saw Coldplay a couple of years prior to this um, at Hamden as well. And the support act that night was Jay-Z. Now, I knew that Jay-Z was going to be the support act and I was absolutely buzzing for it. It was amazing. Um, but for Take That, I just didn't even look into it because I just assumed whoever it was, I wouldn't, I wouldn't care. Well, that is it. Like, we ended up going along, when I say we, uh, there was me and my pal Craig who, I'll be honest, just liked a drink at 17 and like almost any excuse to have a pint. Basically, it was something that we would jump on top of, and our other friend Andrew they wanted to go and see a band called The Berserker, mate. Heard of them? <laughs> no, funnily enough, I've not heard of The Berserker. Right, okay. Is it, is, it, is it Berserker or The Berserker? The. The Berserker, right, okay. So, if you want to take a look at who they are, you can either Google them or just go into com and look at the show notes, basically. We turned up at Strawberry Fields, do you remember that? Yes, we had our one of our school prom after parties in Strawberry Fields. Yeah, so did we. Like, how bizarre is that, that a club in Glasgow City Centre would accept six-year after dances, basically? They just didn't care, mate. This was the same place that a couple of years prior to this. They used to have a night out where, I'm sure it was £20 entry and it was a free bar in Strawberry Fields. So See, that doesn't ring a bell, man, at all. Yeah, Strawberry Fields did that for a while and then they stopped doing it because it was not a good idea. Um, but yeah, Strawberry Fields was alright. Been a couple of gigs and stuff in Strawberry Fields as well over the years. Like, not proper gigs, but like mates' bands that were in, people, like pals that were in bands and stuff would sometimes play Strawberry Fields. Yeah. I think it's flats and stuff now. I don't think it's a venue anymore. I'm not 100% sure, but like I said, at the time you could get in, no bother. It didn't really matter what age you were. Do you remember the big bouncer, Big Susie? Like this is very niche. Like this is <laughs> no. very, very niche. No, I don't remember Big Susie. No. Oh, she was a bouncer in there for years. A big, big fat woman. And do you remember back in the day you would have, you would make sure that you had conversations with the bouncers, so they knew you weren't pissed. Yeah, to kind of like you would have that conversation to show you weren't pissed, and then if you had to go outside. Well, you weren't much of a smoker, but if you had to go outside, well, you weren't a smoker at all, but if you had to go outside for a fag, you would make sure that you, you learned their name, you would introduce yourself so that when you went back there next time, yeah, you could say, all right, Stevie, all right, Susie, and it would be easy enough to get in. You try and build rapport, don't you, so that it makes it harder for them to knock you back, but it's as a sad existence to be sucking up to fucking bouncers, but we've all done it. Especially as a teenager, that, like, that, that was what your would make or break your night, oh, would be getting in somewhere, man. So why not try and build up a little bit of rapport with the bouncer? Anyway, like I said, it's turned up at this The Berserker gig uh, just before Christmas, back in 2002, basically, so rather than, yeah, 17. Uh, very much aptly supported by another few bands, mate, that I'm sure you're big fans of. Uh, Incision. Mm, doesn't ring a bell. Lab Rat. Oh, no. 
No, and uh, Red Harvest, right? So these fucking no mark bands, right? So again, me, me, my pal Craig are there, and we're not, we're not there for the music because it's fucking dog shit. It's earache, man. It's like a deafening blast of shite. But so we're sitting having a couple of pints. We end up speaking to this Australian guy, uh, and we're having a. He seems like a lovely fella, blah blah blah. But he's doing all these sort of fucking mad like stretches and shit, and we, we just think he's a little bit weird, to be perfectly honest with you. And he takes a. I can't remember, it was a long time ago, I don't know if he took a pint off of us, or a bottle of water, or something, but we just think this guy's a little bit odd, and then at a point he just stands up and goes like, right, that's me lads, <clears throat> and whips on one of these fucking wacky masks, and it turns out he's a drummer for the Berserker, and our friend who was the actual fan had missed this opportunity to sit with one of his favourite drummers or whatever, because he was too busy emotion or fucking doing some sort of wall of death or something, so... He missed that opportunity. Is that the closest you've got to having a drink with somebody like that? Because I've got a worse story than that about drinking with somebody that's supposedly famous. Off the top of my head, no, the, the Berserker drummer. Like, that, this this is so bizarre because this band, the Berserker, played drums, right? But know how the actual bits of the drums that make the drum noise? Like, the, the toms, I think they're called. Like, the sort of big circle ones. Yeah. He didn't have any of them. He just did fucking Hunter's ass cymbals. Fucking hell. <laughs> and a bass drum, it was, oh, it was a horrible noise, man. It really was. What was your story about drinking with somebody that you had no fucking idea who he was? Well, my mate was, um, I kind of knew of them, but we were sat at, my mate was the head of the union for the GU. And one year at Freshers Week, um, we ended up doing a pub quiz. I mean, a couple of mates, he said, just come and be used to go to Freshers Week every year. Even though we weren't students, he would get us in, we'd get all the free drinks and all the other stuff. And one of the nights was a pub quiz. And he said, come and do a pub quiz, sit with these guys. And we sat with these Welsh guys and did a pub quiz. Um, and it was only about halfway through the pub quiz we realised that they were actually one of the acts for later on that night, and it was Goldie Licking Chain. Kane, I thought you were going to see Lost Profits. <laughs> no! <laughs> if that was the case, that would be a story that I would never tell. Um, no, it was Goldie Licking Chain. Like, your, what's that? Your, your mama's got a something. Guns don't kill people, rappers do. Yeah, that's them. They're famous for a while. But yeah, we did a, a pub quiz, sat with them, which was fun. Sat with a bunch of Welsh ideas. Talked about Lost Profits very briefly. One of my pals, I've not seen him in a while actually, so I wouldn't really call him a friend anymore, but his girlfriend was a little bit younger than him. And when the story broke about Ian Watkins being a fucking vile creature, he was kind of like, like don't mention it to... I can't even mind the fucking lassie's name. Let's call her Joanne. Don't mention it to Joanne. Wait, why? Well, can we not take the... Like, take, you know, you're that age, you want to take the piss and make fucking cr- crude jokes, basically. No, don't do it. Don't do it. Why? Uh, she stayed with him when she was 16 down in Wales. <laughs> so fuck knows what. I don't know what was happening there, but thought to myself, like, after that berserker gig, I'm, I'm never going to go to a fucking death metal gig again. I didn't, which is, yeah, stuck by my guns, basically, and thought, even though I might enjoy a pint, I'm never going along to anything like like that again, basically thought, nah, fuck, fuck that, mate. Like, we've kind of spoke about musical horizons, I suppose, and how much mine are narrow, and how much yours might not be and others aren't. What was the sort of, not turning point, but 
can you sort of pinpoint a point in your life where you got into the Smiths like that? You heard a song or whatever and thought, oof, was it Napster? Was it LimeWire? What was happening in your life? Can you remember? Uh, the Smiths quit my life when I was 14. Um, it wasn't Napster. It was actually a mutual friend of ours, Tony, um, who made me aware of a song called Panic, which more people might know more commonly as Hang the DJ. And um, it was just basically a song then about hanging the DJ because he, say, he speaks nothing to me about my life and the horrible music that he plays, basically. And I was really taken by this song, but I was more taken by Morrissey's voice. And I'd never really heard anything like it before. I'd have been about maybe 13 or 14 at the time. And I kind of went down the, the greatest hits journey, listening to that, and then I slowly started listening to the albums, and then started listening to his solo stuff after the Smiths as well. Um, but it was very much from that one song that a friend let me listen to. And he actually let me listen to it because we had a mutual friend at the time who had became a DJ, and he was a bit of a dickhead. And he let me hear this song because he thought it'd be funny to like sing this song to this dickhead that became a DJ, basically. Um, and it musically almost changed my life in terms of making me aware of something that I love. I listen to most days. I've got Morrissey's face on my arm tattooed. It's It's been a big, huge part ever, ever since then. Well, that is it. Like, it. It's kind of... I can't remember a lot of things that happened when I was younger so specifically, but there are points in your life, and music is probably one of them, where you just hear something that one time or whatever and think, right, okay, that's kind of what I'm into now, and that takes you down a path. We've opened our comment section, by the way, on wrongtermemory.com, so if you've got any stories that you want to leave about, sort of, that... I'm pretty sure lots of you will have a specific memory about the first time you heard a song. Mine's was Wait and Bleed by Slipknot, and it was off an app store when I was about 15, uh, and it took me down a, a totally different path. And I kind of wonder if my pal at the time had downloaded something slightly different. Like, How much of an impact do you think music at that age had on just your life in general, I suppose? I think it does have an impact in terms of Especially, I think that for me it was a little bit different because I was discovering old music. Um, I was discovering music that was almost 10, 12, 15 years old. So the the scene from that music wasn't something I could then go and become part of because it didn't exist anymore. But if you're coming across music that's current and is a thing, then you do sort of start going towards that crowd, going towards that scene. Some people dress like it. You end up going to those sort of club nights and it, it'll impact the people you're hanging about with. It'll impact all sorts of your life if you take it seriously and get into it um a lot of your pals are into that stuff if you wanted if that person had let you hear i don't know like the beatles or something then you, you could have chosen a completely different set of pals or you just wouldn't have met those sort of rocker pals so you might have got other ones it's just a strange one isn't it it really is like because it was a few years after that, that i went to the art for the very first time in glasgow and i wasn't particularly keen on going at the time because i was a mosher i was a bit of a rocker you know i was like what well, this club night where they're going to play this electronic music, it really... Was it Inside Out? It was uh, last... It may have been an Inside Out night, but it was Lisa Lashes and she was touring, I think, called Last at the okay. time. It was sort of hard trance and I kind of thought to myself, I don't really want to go to that, but everybody was going for this guy's birthday, it was his night out, it was his choice, so we went and that impacted my life until I was about 25, 26. That was it. Like, that sort of took over. It was a, a 
weekenders basically for a long time for myself. But enough personal nostalgia, I suppose, mate. We may as well get into the meat and bones of black metal. Again, it's not going to be a full history of black metal because if I did take a deep dive into it, I would probably end up flinging myself out the window, to be perfectly honest <laughs> with you. Uh, you know, um, there's a first and second wave, Colin, right? Uh, the second wave kind of starts in the early 90s. You, you, you've got some sort of vibe about the the bands and where it came from, yeah? Yeah, so you, if you said to somebody, black metal, um, where do you think it came from? I think most people would say to you, oh, America, Detroit, something like that. Couldn't be further from the truth. Most of it came from Norway. Um, Norwegian bands um, with crazy names, mate. Let's go through these names and see what you think of them. So, a band called Mayhem. <laughs> like, I, I kind of love this because they want to be... This is the second wave, remember? So, that they're coming off the back of a, a bunch of other Scandinavian bands, basically, but the names are so unoriginal for the vibe that they're trying to push, you know? Like Mayhem, oh, Mayhem's Mayhem. So we may as well call our band that because we, we are Mayhem. You've got Dark Throne. Yeah, Dark Throne. So that's like the, the Kings of Darkness, maybe? Is that what they're thinking? or the... Something like that, yes. Burzum, I'm pretty sure, means... Oh, fuck, I don't know, like Ashes or something like that, or that may be one of their albums, but again, it just means something. It's almost like they're trying too hard to be dark and twisted and nasty, basically. Yeah, I mean, even just some of these other ones here, Immortal, um, Emperor, uh, Satricon, and Gorgoroth. Um, I mean, even some of the names are just noises before you even get to the music. Um, but yeah, it's. I think it's a little try-hard, doesn't it? It really is, but these guys lived this life, which we will get to. This sort of black metal scene did have a distinct, if you want to call that sound. Uh, you might want to call it absolute fucking dog meat. It was also sort of very closely linked to Satanism and Satanic metal. It was basically a, a, a synonym for Satanic metal would be black metal in the early 90s. And again, if you want to hear about the Satanic Panic, basically, we done Richard Ramirez. Um, he was obviously five or so years before this scene sort of popped up, but... Hello, friends. Colin here. The looks, the charm and the brains behind Runter Memory. Just wanted to pop in and interrupt your listening pleasure to let you know about our Patreon and some changes that we've made to it recently. We've now introduced a £1 tier where you get absolutely hee-haw other than the sense of achievement that could only come from supporting two great guys like myself and Jack. We've also reduced the price of the two top tiers uh, by a pound on each of them just because we appreciate life is a little bit shit just now and uh, if we can make things a little bit better for people then we will. So check us out at patreon.com forward slash wrong term memory and you'll be able to get early access to shows, ad-free, and lots of bonus content. The satanic panic was was still a thing. People were still scared of people sacrificing goats and covering themselves in blood and, and murdering children and stuff like that. So, again, do you think these bands just sort of, like, 
try hard, like you mentioned, Dermot. Do you think that's a, a way of? It's there's, there's a try hard element to it, and like let's get the creepiest, weirdest, strangest name because that's going to get attention. Um, the music all sounds quite similar, so maybe it's what can we do on stage? What can be our sort of stage persona? Do we wear masks? Do we do we fucking murder chickens? Do we pull the head off bats? Do we do this? Do we do that? And that's kind of it's almost like the music's almost secondary compared to the image and the persona that they've got. Um, it's my kind of take on it because I think the music's probably quite interchangeable from band to band. I'm, I'm pretty sure there's people out there that are saying, oh no, fucking Gogroth and uh, Emperor are totally different, but I, as a sort of <laughs> fucking uh, guy that doesn't know much about it, yeah, they, they do sort of sound similar, and if you don't, if you would argue against that, I think you're, you're barking up the wrong tree, but yeah, I think uh, I get with you, it's more about the image, because a lot of these artists would push this like life view of being misanthropic, you know, just hating life, and some others would push some darker things, basically. Um, Satanism, uh, ethnic paganism, anti-Christian sentiment, and, and things like that. So, again, I, I agree with you there, Colin, where it's just a case of the music's not fucking, kind of just noise, but if you appear to be the darkest cunt out, then you are. So we're more talking about this second wave. The first wave sort of popped up again. Venom, uh, uh, Hellhammer, <laughs> which is my favorite. Yeah, right, yeah, actually, yeah. Like, that's, that's the funniest one to be, in my opinion. That is a good one. Yeah, I mean, a hammer as a weapon is bad enough, but a hellhammer. Whoa, don't hit me with that. A fiery screwdriver, you know, like <laughs> fuck off. And the Mayhem vocalist, he's called Pear. Oh, I can't remember his, his full name, we'll get to it, but they've obviously got nicknames. <laughs> so unoriginal, this guy goes for dead. He just wants to be called dead. <laughs> okay. Uh, and then there's another... So he's a lead singer, right? And then there's a guy in the band Mayhem as well who's termed a leader. So there's a vocalist and a leader, and this guy, Euronymous, basically is part of this Mayhem band and... You know, you you won't know what Euronymous means unless you've Googled it like me, but basically Euronymous is a, I think, a paganistic demon who is the patron demon of corpses. Okay. Which is un, unsurprising, basically. Yeah. Um, you will have probably seen these bands, but mate, they've got the fucking makeup on, yeah? Yeah, so they, they kind of fucking look like zombies and shit, don't they? Yeah. Where, where do you think that comes from? What what really deep, dark place does the makeup come from? Do you know? Well, when you think when I think about makeup and and music and rock, it's hard not to think about Kiss. Well, that's exactly where it fucking came from, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, and I quite like Kiss. Kiss have got some great songs. Um, Kiss were great. Um, this bastardised version of it, though, is they've obviously thought these guys wear a bit of makeup. It looks quite cool. Let's turn it up to eleven and make ourselves look fucking awful. <laughs> this is a guy, the lead singer Gene Simmons, sells fucking air guitar strings, and people buy them. Yeah, it's like people. That, <laughs> it's like people that buy jars, empty jars, and it's labelled as air from Kanye West concerts, and people buy that. Yeah, so they've got this exclusivity surrounding their their scene. Basically, they're very much the the true fucking dark cunts or whatever. 
whereas everybody else is a poser, basically. But it gets a little bit darker now, Colin, because some members of the scene, in inverted commas, then decided to burn down churches and do a little bit of uh, murder and shit like that, which uh, unsurprisingly drew a little bit of attention to the scene. And they did kind of jump on the bandwagon and inverted commas. We'll speak a little bit about this guy dead. He's called Per Ungen Oglin, which are definitely not pronounced right I at think all. Thank you. It sounded nice the way you said that. <laughs> yeah, um, I tried to make it sound Norwegian. He's he's, he's picked he's picked the name dead somewhat ironically, um, because he ends up killing himself, doesn't he? Well, he does. Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of sad because people in the band described him as a little bit odd, a little bit introverted and depressed. I kind of feel like because he's part of this scene getting psychiatric help or going to a doctor or something would be seen as you being a poser or not true. So he's end up killing himself, which is, is a bit sad, man, really. It is. I mean, the stuff he was doing isn't conjunctive to a healthy, normal, good life. But he's going on stage dressed like a corpse and he's cutting his arms while he's singing and there's blood flowing all over the the stage and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. There's issues there for me in the t- in the fact that he wants to do that in the first place, but probably the bigger issue is that there's an audience for that. I spoke earlier about how much I love Morrissey, how much I love Kanye West, various other people. I don't I don't want to go to their concert and see them fucking cutting their arms and bleeding on me. Do you know what I mean? That it's not right. Yeah, well, this guy Fidey Screwdriver or whatever his name was like, he he's saying that Dead was this first. He's the first cunt, apart from Kiss, obviously, to put this corpse paint on, and it became pretty widespread in the scene. He has found with his wrist slit and he blows his head off with a shotgun. Basically, his suicide note begins to excuse all the blood and he apologises for firing a weapon indoors. This guy, Euronymous, is the baddie of the story, basically. Like, the, the dickhead's dickhead. Because before calling the police, he grabs a camera and he photographs the body, rearranges some items and then uses these photographs as part of a bootleg live album called Dawn of the Black Hearts. Wow. Your bandmate commits suicide, maybe it's the first thing you do. Get a camera. Yeah, what can I do to take advantage of this situation? Um, just on Dead really quickly, I think there's a bit, there's a bit, there's, there's, there is some signs there that Dead has been playing a character this whole time, because I don't believe that someone who dresses as a corpse is into the dark arts and all that sort of stuff actually leave such a nice note um, sorry about all the blood, I'm sorry about making a mess and I'm sorry I fired a weapon indoors, that's a very a very conscientious person writing that Yes, that is the thing, Like my, my mates years ago that were into black metal were all squares, squares man like wee gimps, yeah 100% Some of it is that you, you, you find an identity that you fit into rather than you actually belong to um, Like there's a thing about if you think about all the all the kind of goths and stuff, the only thing they've got in common is that they're goths. But are they really goths, or is, are some people in the that struggle for friendship, struggle for companionship? They think becoming a goth or becoming something like that will get them into a scene, get them into friends and stuff. It's, yeah, because you think about years ago, like I, I think we've either shared a memory here or got mixed up a little bit. But I remember years ago seeing a, a, a goth or a mosher smashing a head about the head by a fucking skateboard. Yeah, we've spoke about that before, yeah. Right. That's not that, that's not mosher or goth-like behaviour, that's Ned behaviour. That's Ned behaviour. So that's a Ned that liked happy hardcore, that liked bonkers. 
and then heard Slipknot at 14, 15 and was an angry little guy and thought, I like that. And got involved in that scene and then Ned thought they could bully him, basically, and he gets smacked about a fucking skateboard. Because yeah, then Ned, the Ned was still in there on him. So, exactly. Yeah, yeah there's, a lot of, there's a lot of stuff that I think is for show with a lot of these guys. There's a lot of persona. There's a lot of being as being so unhappy with yourself thinking that you're so boring or you've got nothing to offer you do need to like massively change your whole profile change who you are change how you look change how you act to fit into this fucking madness because the actual true you is probably pretty boring yeah this guy Euronymous uh, starts making necklaces with pieces of Pearl's skull basically he gives these two musicians that he deems worthy this guy's such a prick man Rumours are spreading that he's starting to make fucking stew out of bits of his brain and he uses the guy's suicide to foster this evil image. Like, it's a fucking jackpot for him, basically, because he's this guy's a total dickhead and he claims that uh, Dead or Pear had killed himself because metal had become trendy and commercialised. Wow. Come and on, man. The sad part of this was this wasn't an isolated incident. Two other guys from this kind of early Norwegian scene did exactly the same thing. Um, a guy from Immortal called Eric Grimm Broderskrift. And in 1999, um, a member of the band Strid, a guy called Epson Storm Anderson, killed himself as well. Um, th- this isn't a massive scene with loads and loads of bands and three people killing themselves in this sort of relatively recent timescale to each other. That's quite alarming. It kind of points to, yeah, not being able to fucking get help because you're involved in this scene, you know. In, in 1982, that this black metal scene began basically setting churches on fire. And by 1996, over a four-year period, there have been basically 50 or so churches setting fire. Uh, the first to be burnt down was Norway's uh, Flandloff Stave Church. And please believe that a guy called Varg of Burzum, who I mentioned earlier, has got part to do with this because on the cover of their album uh, Aska, which means Ashes that's what I was getting mixed up with earlier right, okay. as a photograph of this church basically. So he's done a picture of it and put it in his fucking album. Fucking mental man, really is absolutely crazy and they weren't getting away with this some of them were getting caught and actually getting like the law on them for doing this sort of stuff weren't they? Yeah, but in 84, this, this guy's found guilty of burning down the, the Hall McCollin Chapel, the school church and the Asana church, so he, like that's what he's doing, that's his fucking pastime, is setting churches on fire, basically, and this coincides with the release of another album. Like, again, it's like fucking PR, basically. It is PR, isn't it? That tells <laughs> yeah. me again that these guys are not fully bought into this. It's just attention-seeking, it's just a persona. Because you you don't get involved in something like this and get so buried deep into it, but also start thinking about PR. It's mental. Yeah, like, we'll get to fucking the murder in a minute and how that sort of kicked off, but this release of Mayhem's uh, De Mysteries Dom Shantas, again, is just all to do with these church burnings. There's alleged plots to uh, bomb cathedrals now. Um, so, again... They're kind of, at the same time as being absolute dickheads, they're fucking terrorists as well. Like yeah. Caught, like, I'm pretty sure we'll go on to it, but they, they get filmed with £150 of bombing shit, basically, at that point, you know? And it, it's not just fucking churches, but these cunts are racist motherfuckers as well. Old fucking Hellhammer. Now, he wants to attack mosques and Hindu temples on the basis that they are... <laughs> 
more foreign. Oh, come on, guy. Fucking. Like, wh- wh- what is it you're rallying against here? Like, what is it? Is it fucking commercialization or is it fucking brown people? You assholes. Like, oh, man. Something to me a little bit now. Um, let's move on to the murder, mate. Yeah, I mean, it takes a further dark turn. Um, early 1993, Euronymous that we spoke about and Vikernes have a little bit of a falling out uh, on the night of 10th of August. Um, Varg Vikernes of Burzum and Snor Blackthorn Rook. <laughs> Bring a side of the cunt. <laughs> <laughs> they drive from Bergen uh, to Euronymous appointment, uh, apartment in Oslo. When they arrive, there's a bit of a confrontation begins and Vikernes stabs Euronymous to death. Um, his body was found outside the apartment, mate, with not one stab wound, not two, but 23, um, including 16 in his back, five in his neck, and two actually in his head. Um, so this wasn't like an argument and a wee bit of a stabbing. This was a fucking brutal attack. Like, to to stab someone 23 times takes some doing, I would imagine. And this is, again, this is where it just gets, like, they're, they're sort of going against their fucking supposed ideologies in life because it's been speculated that the murder was a, about a power struggle, basically financial dispute about records and contracts and money. Yeah, like, obviously this guy Verg denies all of this shit, claiming that uh, he attacked Euronymous in self-defence. He says that this Euronymous guy had plotted to stun gun him uh, with an electroshock weapon, tie him up, torture him, and then videotape it all. He said that... <laughs> They were going to sign a contract. How fucking commercial sign a contract, right? So you're going to sign a contract. They don't sign it, so they fall out, and somebody gets murdered. He claims that he had intended to like just hand the guy the contract and tell him to to fuck off. But Euronymous panic and attacked him first. He also claims that the stab wounds weren't stab wounds. Uh, they were basically <laughs> broken glass, basically. And this self defence story is very much doubted, obviously, which is just. I think the thing he tried to say was that most of these 23 stab wounds were just cuts from a bit of glass that he fell on during the struggle. Fuck off. But uh, it's just even fucking, like... It's so commercial not signing a contract that he gets so angry at your mother someday. Like, it's the most yeah. commercial thing in the fucking world, man. He's like, basically, he's, 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 the, he's the black metal Shook Knight at this point, just hanging them Rip Van Winkle off the balcony. It's... Well, we've got another name here. <laughs> Necro Butcher. Oh, there, there was a wrestler <laughs> called that. that. That's not a unique name. There was a wrestler called Necro Butcher, and he used to take oh. a cheese grater into the ring and grate people's heads with it. Oh fucking hell! Like it's just, it's we're laughing and obviously people are dead. But Jesus Christ, this guy Virg was arrested nineteen ninety three. A lot of the scene again were taken in for questioning around about the same time. Colin, some of them confessed to their crimes and others shot themselves and went. It was him and started grassing basically because they're wee gimps. They are little gimps. That's exactly what they are. Yeah, uh, Vikernes ends up sentenced to twenty-one years in prison, which was Norway's maximum penalty at the time for the murder. Uh, this was for the murder of Euronymous, the arson of four churches, and for the possession of one hundred and fifty kilograms of explosives. Uh, however, he only confessed to the latter. Um, two churches were burnt down the day that he was sentenced. Um, presumably, a statement of symbolic support from these nutcases. Again, that's where it's dangerous, mate, that you've got these wee guys that look up to you so much that they're quite willing to fucking start burning in churches because of this fake image that you're portraying. 
two youngsters. Because a lot of the time it will be 16, 17-year-old guys that are into fucking death metal. Oh, aye. Very impressionable. Yeah. And he, he does that arsehole thing that he smiles when his verdict gets read out. And then that's the picture that goes in all the newspapers the next day. This guy just smiling at himself, getting 25 years in jail. Yeah, this pint of cider, Cunt Blackthorn, he's sentenced to eight years as well, you know, as an accomplice to the murder. Here is something that's wholly fucking unsurprising. Another fucking album release, mate. Come on. Yeah, the same month of the sentencing, suddenly their new album comes out and it's called De Mysterilis. Sorry, it's called De Mysterilis Dom Santanas, um, which featured you know, featured Pura Euronymous on guitar, the Cairns on bass guitar. Um, now, apparently Euronymous family had asked it to be stopped, basically. They wanted him removed, get his um, guitar stuff removed from the album, but they refused. Listen to how much of a shitebag thing this is that this guy fucking does, by the way. He lies to the family, basically. Yeah, he he, he felt that it was appropriate that murder and the victim were on the same record. He thought this was cool. But what he did was he just said, yeah, okay, I think you're right. I'll re-record the bass parts and release it separately. And he never even bothered us. Um, so he's not even man enough or brave enough to just say, no, yeah. fuck you, I'm fucking putting this out. He was like, yeah, okay, I'll do that, no problem. But then he... So gimpy. So gimpy. Like, it's fucking... Like, I wrote this article... And I'm fucking annoyed <laughs> reading it back, man. Like in 2003, this cunt like doesn't turn back up to prison um, after being given short leave, but he's arrested basically um, driving a stolen car with weapons in it, basically. But he's out now. He got released on parole in 2009. Yes, yeah, so, so basically, he's obviously done some stuff in prison. He's done enough to get himself short leave because we do know that Scandinavian countries have quite a a different attitude to prison than we do and you will get like day leave and stuff like that to kind of prove yourself and show that you can get back into society however in 2003 he's been given this short leave he's not came back they've had to arrest him to get him back he's done he's committed a crime by stealing a car at that time and that car just happens to be full of weapons what was he going to do with them however six years later they still see fit to release him on parole it, it took Andy Dufresne fucking 30 years to get out of Shawshank. And this guy is <laughs> six six years after not after trying to run away and stealing cars and getting weapons, he's out again. Yeah, so 94 he got put in jail. So nine years after that, he tried to escape. And then six years after that, was released. <laughs> it's Nor- bloody Norwegians. Bloody Norwegians, exactly. Yeah, so that's a kind of a short history of... The second wave of black metal anyway, mate, and how dark it was and how um, kind of kiddy on in their ideologies it was, which is the thing that kind of annoys me most is that these guys were wanted to get paid for what they were doing, had contracts, fell out about them, but would push everybody else as a poser. It's fucking... Maybe I'm picking it up wrong, but that's what it seems like to me as these guys were kiddy on maniacs doing they've done some nasty shit obviously some they get murdered and they set churches on fire but arson is a pussy's crime like oh let's sneak up on a wooden church and set it on fire fucking get some buzz about you Ugh, I don't know it's just annoying mate it's, listen like I said at the start I didn't know much about this um, but I have found it quite interesting and the reason why I think I found it interesting I've stuck with it and enjoyed it is because we've discussed it in quite a lot of detail without ever playing any music or anything and that's, that suits me down to the ground, mate, because I don't want to hear it. That is it, that is it. Just before we wrap it up, by the way, um, if you 
like pies, go to piesports.com and order some because they are tasty and they're not only offering your meat pies, Colin, they're offering different things nowadays now. Yeah, they're now offering vegan pies, they're offering slim and friendly pies, low-calorie pies. And listen, these guys are the real deal. They're coming on from strength to strength. They've now actually got themselves set up in a number of football clubs in Scotland and they're the actual stadium pie supplier now, um, which is a massive big deal because there's nothing more synonymous with being at the football actually in the stadium and getting a pie. Up until now, it's all been mail-order pies. Now they're doing the mail-order stuff, which has been so good, but they're actually breaking into the actual games and stuff as well. And you don't do that unless your stuff's good. So we've both had the pies. We both know how good they are. If you haven't, check them out at piesports.com. Get yourself a 433 bundle. Try it out. See what you like. And then keep ordering because, funnily enough, a lot of the people that have ordered off the back of this podcast have went on to make multiple orders. And some of the guys that have won the pies that we give away every Monday I've then started ordering themselves as well, and I think that kind of speaks for itself and how good these pies are. Yeah, they are tasty as fuck, guys, for piesports.com, and yeah, order some. They are tasty as fuck. I'd probably go for the 352 rather than the 433, to be honest with you, but I'm a hipster, mate, that is it. But Colin, cheers, mate, I enjoyed that, actually. Like, even I get pissed off. Yeah, I enjoyed it more than I thought I would, mate. I wasn't mad keen on the topic, but trusted you, and I was right to do so. So, nice one, mate, thank you. Right, guys, we will speak to you next week. Bye. That was a Quite the Thing media production.